everyone, welcome to Conversations at Olive, a podcast featuring everyday conversations around the life of Olive Baptist Church and its surrounding community. I'm Travis Walser, and today I'm here with John Huff and Ethan Jago, and we are talking about something really cool that you guys uh, talked about in Crossroads that, that you wanted to kind of share with us, uh, and it all kind of revolves around this idea of... Yeah, we're, we're talking through Acts right now, and uh, really our desire is to take Scripture and to meet Scripture with the life of where our college students are at. Uh, we just finished up a real-life series where we walked through a lot of difficulties that uh, our students face, uh, the most anxious generation yet, Generation Z. So we talked through anxiety, depression, uh, actually suicide, and then also rest and how do we deal with those things? And after we went through that real-life series and answered some of those questions where they're at, we want to actually take them to Acts. And through Acts, we get to see how the church responded to some great pressure that they were under and how actually seeing the resurrected Christ and being impacted by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, it changed their lives. So today I'm sitting here with Ethan, who actually kicked off our series in Acts, and we want to discuss three traits that can be seen in a true believer. So Ethan, why don't you tell us a little about, we kicked off with Acts chapter 1. What are those traits that we see in a believer's life? Yeah, thanks, John. So what we see here in Acts chapter 1, specifically what we looked at in verses 13 through 14, was we see the disciples are in the upper room and they're praying together. And they're not just praying together, but they're fervently praying together. And when we compare that with what we saw in Luke chapter 24, verse 36 through 43, we see the disciples had fled after the betrayal of Jesus. And then we see them, even when Jesus appeared to them, their disbelief to the point where Jesus had to show the holes in his hands and his feet and said, now do you guys believe? And so when we want to look at the radical change that can happen in an individual's life when they actually truly believe Christ, we, we see that three specifics, a life is changed, your mind is changed, and also your behaviors change. And most specifically, what we wanted to talk about was the behavioral change in the apostles from upper room, post-mortem of Christ, and to now first century church, Christ has already ascended, and now they're praying together seeking after what is it that we're going to do next. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we are down here in Pensacola, Florida, right by the University of West Florida. And where we're at culturally is that most people, even on a university campus, would identify as Christians. Uh, but like most areas in the South or in the Bible Belt, they're often cultural Christians. And uh, we experience that where we work, uh, where we study, and our lives all around us. But uh, we're called to be more than just cultural Christians. We're called to have a life that is changed based upon what Christ did for us. So based upon these disciples, in what ways can we learn from how these disciples changed uh, and what Luke saw in Acts? So you got to think too, I mean, Jesus's ministry was three years. And during that three-year time, these men broke bread with him. They walked with him. They they spent the night under the stars with him. So they, they know everything that it was that he said. However, many times throughout the New Testament, especially in the Gospels, we see that they clearly were not grasping what it is that Christ was trying to tell them to the point where Peter uh, confronted Jesus saying, no, you're not going to die. And Jesus said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You know, I'm doing the work of my father. And so when we look at the behavioral change, we, we need to use the scripture as our reference. And we got to look into what is it that the Bible shows us? What does the narrative in Acts tell us? And when we don't have to go that far, really, when you look into Acts chapter 4, we see both Peter and John are now standing before a council. And not just standing before a council, but they are defending the resurrection of Christ. They're defending who it is that they walked with for three years. And when you compare and contrast this behavioral change, and also their mindset has differed too. 
when they were in the Gospels, again, like I said, they, they weren't really tracking. They weren't really grasping everything. But now in Acts, everything clicked, especially in Peter. When we look at Peter, the amount of Old Testament prophecy that Peter is now picking up on is incredible. And, and even within the first chapter of Acts, he picks up on a, a prophecy that the psalmist in Psalm 69 was talking about in relation to Judas and Judas's betrayal and then his demise. And it brings up the point of, well, are we of Judas? Are we among this ministry? Do we share in this ministry? Or are we just kind of passing through? So th that is a, a huge thing that we can see here within the apostles. Yeah, I think the, the big changes that we see in Acts to go from a church that uh, is 120 at that time to two, 3,000 and multiplying rapidly, what changed in them? They go from great fear to great faith and boldness, well, they saw Christ. Mm. They they saw Christ die. They confirmed that. And then they also saw him, like you said, post-mortem, they saw his resurrected body. So uh, there's some people that, that may actually uh, question, did Christ actually die? So how would you respond to that? What can we say as a Christian when someone says, did Jesus actually die? Yeah, that's a really good question because today— um, 66% of our young adults between the ages of 18 to 22 are walking away from the faith. And I think a big reason this is, is because we don't give them reasons and, and kind of tenets and kind of backing to what it is that they believe and why they believe it. And that question you ask is very common that someone could in fact arise depending on whatever aspect of life you're in. And the big thing we have to ask is the narratives that we have written were written so closely timeline wise when Jesus actually died. When we look at the book of Acts, uh, scholars debate on exactly when it was, but it's roughly written around 60 AD. So when this is being written, there are still people who are alive that was were there. They witnessed the death of Christ who are, who are non-Christians. They witnessed the death of Christ. So if when Luke's penning the book of Acts or Luke's penning the book Gospel of Luke, people could easily object and say, yeah, that didn't happen. I was there. There was no Jesus. Th that never occurred. Uh, you're making stuff up. And, it, and the book would have died on itself. Right, mm -hmm. it, it would have never taken off throughout Asia Minor, and it would not have spread like you were saying the rapid growth from 120 to several thousand within the first few months of the ministry, you know. And so that raises another question that people always allude to too. Okay, fine, I'll give it to you that Christ died, but did he rise from the dead? Mm -hmm. You know, have, have you been asked that before from people like, hey, do you believe that Jesus actually rose from the dead? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and I think one of the struggles is uh, not so much debating, but being able to have the confidence in our own selves, yeah. the same confidence uh, that the apostles had because they, they saw Christ. So when you've interacted with those types of questions, Ethan, what's your response? Did Christ actually rise from the dead? We see it in 1 Corinthians, some answers there. Mm. But how do you respond to that? Did Christ actually rise from the dead? Mm -hmm. Yeah, a, a good a good defense that I, I like to stick with, and this kind of even goes into uh, the authority of Scripture, is the, the amount of embarrassing detail that we find within the scriptures, right? So you got to think this is written mm -hmm. in first century Palestine. Women do not normally uh, get written about mm -hmm. in, in these old ancient texts, but who was it that all of the authors say first discovered the empty tomb? It was not men, it was women. Because let's say that in fact they, let, let's play the end, end here. Men were the one who's discovered and men are making up the story. It would have been like, I, the Apostle Paul, ran down and saw this, and I conquered. No, it is these women came, the apostles mm -hmm. disbelieved. So the embarrassing detail adds to the credibility of the story. Not only that, but we also have many extra biblical sources. Yeah. And we have a lot of the same manuscripts uh, that we can refer back to. And, and one that I always like to refer to is the Jewish historian Josephus. 
Uh, Josephus was alive during this time, and he, in fact, had written in his uh, accounts on the resurrection and said that there was, in fact, a man named Jesus, and he was, in fact, appearing to people after his death. So this, again, aids to the fact that, in fact, Christ did rise from the dead. Mm, right. And then lastly, uh, another question is, and another objection that could kind of come up, is the empty tomb, mm-hmm. right? And the scriptures are very clear about wh- who em- whose empty tomb it was. And do you think at that time someone's like, well, I wonder where Joseph's tomb is, Joseph of Arimathea? Well, no, I, I mean, I'm pretty sure everyone knew mm. where that was. And the reason why the authors included that within their text is, again, it's more proofs to prove to this. Because if, in fact, they did question, okay, maybe Jesus didn't rise from the dead, they could just go right to the tomb, investigate the tomb, and say, yeah, his bones are still there, guys. You're a bunch of liars. Well, then the other objection comes up. Well, the disciples stole the body. Mm-hmm. And we see that come out in Matthew 28, 13 through 15, mm-hmm. where the Jewish people, even or the Jews of that time, paid off the Roman soldiers and said, no, you need to spread this rumor. And within this rumor, too, it, it creates kind of a, a problem. And, and what's e- uh, interesting is Eusebius of Caesarea, um, he even wrote to this. He's an early church father. He wrote that if the disciples had stolen the body, let's play this out to its logical end. Jesus was such a high moral teacher. How on earth could they go on preaching and teaching the gospel of Christ and at the same time knowing that they're supporting a lie by stealing the body of Christ? And that's not even including the fact that there was guards standing out front of the tomb, guarding Mm -hmm. the tomb. It's just not plausible, you know? And, And frankly, it's just whenever I hear this question posed, to me, it's just someone who's uh, ignorant of the facts and just doesn't want to research it themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, really what I go to uh, anytime the resurrection is doubted uh, is the power of a changed life. And that's yeah. what you're talking about in Acts chapter one. And what we actually see, the change where they go from fear to faith, we see them grow in their boldness. It's because they actually saw Christ. They're, they're willing to die for their faith. Most of these men are martyred but they stick by the truth. They wouldn't have died for a lie, but they're willing to die for the truth because they actually saw Christ. And that lends us to where we're at today, that we ought to be bold with our faith. We know that Christ was risen from the dead. Uh, It's been proven historically, uh, scientifically. We've talked through some of those things, but then it's it's true because it's changed my life. Um, And that ought to be the testimony of all of us. It's changed our behavior. So this week, where does the rubber meet the road? I actually had a student uh, in a small group with me just this week. How do I do this? How do I live out a changed life? And one of the primary things I pointed him to was community. You need a church. You need people who can hold you accountable, um, who can help remind you, point you back to Scripture, and even correct you when you're struggling. So that's that power of the changed life and the community. We, we work through these things together so that we can be more like Christ and that we can, for God's glory, grow His church just like they did in Acts. Um, so I would say that's probably my favorite proof of the resurrection is how it changed their life and then how it's changed my life as well. Very, very cool. And and I, I love I love that you guys are talking about these kinds of things in a college setting. There's so much to, you know, college students today, they, they don't get met with necessarily the argument that Jesus didn't exist, but they definitely get met with arguments against the resurrection and proof of the resurrection and the resurrection being mm-hmm. a reality. And that does tend to be where so many of them find where they, they, they don't know the defense. They don't know the apologetic argument for, no, the resurrection was a real thing. Jesus really did rise from the dead, and he really did. You know, save me. So very, very cool stuff, guys. 
Awesome. Thank you guys so much for being on Conversations at Outlet today. Uh, if you if if people want to know more about defending their faith, like what are what are some resources you guys guys would suggest for that? Well, first of all, I'd say come to Crossroads. We meet at six thirty on Tuesday nights, and we're going to be walking through Acts. And as we do, you're going to continually see some apologetic themes that come up, especially surrounding the resurrection. You're going to see the church and the unity and the community that they share, and then the boldness that they receive from that to share their faith. And then also, there's so many opportunities for you to learn further. Ethan, why don't you take some some suggestions that you would give for someone wanting to grow in their understanding of apologetics? Yeah, there's a, there, there are a lot of resources out there. Um, what, one of my favorite is Cross-Examined. Uh, it's ran by uh, apologist Frank Turek. Uh, he is a, super easy to understand, uh, doesn't really get into the scholastic uh, headiness that sometimes it can. Uh, and then there's uh, Renewing Your Mind. That's also another one. And then Ligonier Ministries also puts out a phenomenal amount of products. Uh, R.C. Sproul's uh, Got has a whole YouTube channel and where he goes through every single apologetical argument and processes that you can think of, and even the philosoph the philosophical undermining's behind it as well. Yeah, we're also entering on Wednesday nights a nine week series. We'll be hitting this topic and many others. So we're going to finish out this second uh, or this first semester of 2020, not just for our college students, but for anyone here at all that like to grow in their understanding of apologetics. Very very cool. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for listening. Uh, We hope you'll subscribe to the podcast, and we'll see you next time for more Conversations at Office.